Okay, I, I thought that we were going to cover four verses this morning until I started to look at the first verse in more detail. And uh, that first verse is in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Now, if you look at the verse preceding that, Peter had said, the gospel had for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh, that is, they are now dead, uh, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Um, we have to put ourselves sometimes in the shoes of people who lived in the first century. Now, that's kind of hard to do. But in the first century, there was a whole history behind Israel, uh, the people of God, what God was doing, extended back to, uh, to creation. And then you had the fall, you had Noah, you had the patriarchs, you had uh, um, the con conquest of the promised land, you had Samuel and the prophets, you had David, you had Solomon, you have the wicked kings that came after that, and then you have Israel going into exile in Babylon, and then you have a return from Babylon, and then you have a period of time until finally we are in the first century, and somebody appeared on the scene called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus was baptized, and then Jesus began his ministry, and what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, uh, we had, they had reached a crisis point. The kingdom of God is at hand because the king has come. Now, what did the king do? The king did miracles. The king told parables. The king walked on water. The king changed water into wine. The king healed. And eventually, the king goes to the cross but that's not the end. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And so redemptive history looked as if it was coming to a close. So when Peter writes the end of all things in verse 7, the end of all things are at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. I'm going to break those three points down. All right. First of all, the end of all things is at hand. Uh, Peter was not the only one to say that. If you look at James chapter 5, verse, verse uh, um, 8, almost the exact same words. The end of all things is at hand. Now, if, if you were to think about that, James 5.8. Martin Luther was once asked, I put these notes up here for me to remember. Martin Luther was once asked, if you knew that this was the last day before the end, or this was the last day of the end, what would you do? And he answered, I'd plant a tree and pay my taxes. Now that's about as strange an answer as you could think. But in light of the verse here, what was Luther saying? Luther was saying, I do the normal things of life. It would be, it, it doesn't change my life by the fact that the end is coming. The fact that the end is coming only highlights the fact of what every day ought to be like. So, I would plant a tree to the glory of God. I would pay my taxes so that the state could be supported. 
I would go about the normal things because if you, uh, we're not going to deal with this verse today, but if you look down at verse 11, we're, we're told that in all things God may be glorified. That in all things God may be glorified. So, so what we're dealing with is the end of all things. Uh, what, what does Peter mean by that? He means that all the redemptive things that need to be consummated before the second coming of Christ, they've all been done. They've all been done. There's nothing more that has to be done except for the extension of the kingdom that comes. It began with Paul taking the message to the Gentiles. It came through uh, church history. We are at the uh, at the a certain point in church history in which things are are kind of moving uh, toward a conclusion. So, if we think that time is linear, and it began with creation, and then every event along the line here was God's working himself out, but eventually there will be a conclusion. So the end is at hand. That is, there's, there's nothing left of the redemptive work in terms of atonement, in terms of payment for sins. That's all done. And so therefore, when, when, when you think about the fact that, that just within say we're, we have no idea where we are in this timeline. We have no idea how much time, say, say uh, 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 the patriarchs are here and David is here and then the New Testament is here and so we're talking about the, you know, the 30 years of uh, so forth. We have no idea how much more time has to pass before everything is consummated. But we do know that, that that God's timeline is going to be fulfilled. So, so when Peter says the end of all things is at hand, he's, he's simply saying not that it's going to happen tomorrow. That's, that's, you know, when picture yourself living in the first century and you heard Jesus say, I'm going to, the Son of Man is going to come again. And you read 1 Thessalonians 4 and Paul gives a description of the dead in Christ will rise first and then we behind will be taken up to him in the air, all right? But there must have been, in the first century, people thinking, where is he? Why hasn't it come to an end? Why, hasn't, why haven't things been concluded? And that question is still somewhat on our mind, is it not? So the, the, the point is that we are to think of the, the imminence of this, and yet, he concludes with a verse here, all things are at hand, therefore, and we're going to get into the rest of the verse. So, so the, the point is that uh, I think that the, when Peter wrote this and when Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians and when uh, funerals were held in the first century and people were thinking, I thought Jesus was going to come back before my brother died. I thought, hope Jesus comes back before I die. There, there had to be those kinds of thoughts in people's mind. And that's why uh, Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians, this is going to happen before this happens. Now, I, 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 maybe I told a little fib that there's nothing left in redemption to be done. There, there is one thing left to be done before Christ comes again, and that is the gospel has to be preached to all nations. And so, therefore, reaching the 
uh, unreached tribes, now the work that is being done by missionaries by reducing their languages to scripture, that does have to be fulfilled. But in, in terms of, uh, of uh, uh, the, the end of all things, it, it's done. We don't, we don't know exactly what the timetable is going to be, but we, we know that there is an end coming. Now, Pam was watching TV this morning, and, sh and she tried to take back to where it was said, but apparently there was something published in the Chinese newspapers this morning, mainland China, that said, be careful, Hong Kong, the end is near. Now, I'm not sure exactly, but we tried to rewind the tape, we couldn't find it again, but the point is th there are lots of people that are worried about what's going to happen to the people in Hong Kong in light of the fact that they've got the Chinese nation over their head. So in many ways, the end hangs over all of us. The end hangs, the appointed demand wants to die, but after this there's a judgment. We do know that there's an end for each one of us. And so therefore, when, when Peter writes this and Martin Luther answers, I plant a tree and pay my taxes, then the question that we have to ask ourselves is, well, how are we going to live today? Well, that, that you're talking about the first chapter of the book of Acts is asking about what Jesus said before he was ascended into heaven. You want me to read it? All right. Okay, before he's uh, ascending into heaven, uh, they were asking questions of him saying, Lord, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Lord, is it, at this time, you are restoring the kingdom to Israel. So it's very, in other words, people thought that when the kingdom is restored to Israel, that brings history to a close. So is it, is it this time you're going to do that? And what, how, did Peter, how did Jesus answer that? He said, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up. So there's the program of spreading the gospel, but we don't know the time or the hour. Well, that, I think it, you may be referring to the fact that the, the gospel has to be preached to all nations. Yeah, that's after the Mount of Trans that's just before the Mount of Transfiguration. Some of you will not die before you see the the kingdom. Okay, well then the Transfiguration took place and I think most people agree that the Transfiguration was a fulfillment of that prophecy for those disciples. That the the the, the, the it's in uh, uh Mark chapter nine. You are giving me a hard time. That's all right. <laughs> At least somebody's taken Pam's place today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we're going to have to let that lie for a second. Did you find the verse, Freddie? Well, it's it's just before the the. the That, that, that you, you shall not die until you see the kingdom of heaven. And, and then the Mount of Transfiguration occurs. Don will look it up. All right. Okay. Okay, let's, let's get back to our... It's all right. 
That's all right. Okay. So the end of all things. Um, we're thinking there of uh, all events in history are is at hand. There's nothing kind of left to be done. In other words, what is what is being said here is that there's a sense in which the end is imminent, but it's not certain. And so therefore, when we find passages about the end times in the New Testament, we find that the people of the New Testament time lived as if Christ was coming again. But obviously, time still passes on. And, uh, and I think that, that, that Martin Luther is a good example for us. That if, if, if Christ were to come today, uh, what have you done so far? You've gone through your routine. You've come to worship the Lord. What, what you'll do this afternoon, what you do the rest of this week should all be done as if he's coming. But you're going through your normal activities because that's what, that's what follows here in this verse. All right. Every, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, and there are two commands that are being given here, be self-controlled and sober-minded. In other words, the, the end of all things produces a sobriety of thought. It produces a kind of profound awareness that we are living in God's time. God's timetable time is being spelled out. And so therefore, how should we think and how should we act? Well, in a self-controlled way and sober-mindedness. And when I was reading the commentaries about this, they were pointing out that this points out what our manner of life should be no matter what we're doing. Reading the newspaper, watching the news, going to work, living in a family. That all entails a self-controlled manner and a sobriety of thinking. Now, that doesn't mean we can't laugh. It doesn't mean we, 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 we can't tell any jokes. It doesn't mean that, that everything has to be uh, straight-faced, never having a, a good time, a party, and so forth. But the, there's a, an attitude that should control our thinking so that, and then we'll get for the sake of your prayers. So um, I just like what he said because it reminded me that many times when I watch the news, I get so depressed that I, and I, all, I, all I allow is the depression to come upon me. All I allow is to think, how can the people in Washington act that way? How can things work this way? How can corporations do what they're doing? How can labor unions do what they're doing? How can, no, no matter what the news is, you can allow yourself simply to be lost in depression or uh, so forth. But so there is to be a kind of a, a, a self-controlled nature uh, and a sobriety of thinking that so that when we think about these things, we think about them carefully. Uh, we, we think about them in, su in such a way that we connect them to the way that we've been in the past and the way our country will be in the future. So, so you begin to connect things. You begin to relate the events that are going on all around us to What's the context in which they're happening? What is God doing in the context in which they're happening? Uh, is there any way out of this? Um, those are the kind of thoughts that, that, that come to mind that uh, would require um, a kind of self-control, a kind of sober-mindedness, and, and so forth.
Um, but then he adds, for the sake of your prayers. Uh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, now that would be a paraphrase, but it, 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 it certainly carries out. There's a connection between being self-controlled and sober-minded and the way that you pray. Uh, because it could be easy simply to have your prayers be depressed. It could be easy for your, your prayers only to focus on the negative. Let's look up, in light of that, let's look up the verse in James. Look up the verse in James. James chapter 5, verse 8. You too, he said. He's in the midst of... James is, um, James is kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament. James is kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament. There are a lot of topics that come up, and he moves quickly from topic to topic. Um, but he's been... Uh, uh, he says in verse 7... Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the, of the soil, being patient about it until it gets there, uh, uh, until it gets the early and the late rains. In Israel, there are two rainy seasons. There's an early rain and a late rain. And there are two kinds of crops that are harvested in Israel one after the early rain and one after the late rain. And so therefore, if, if ever there is an occupation that needs to be characterized by patience, it's got to be the farmer because the farmer doesn't have any control over the weather. The, the farmer doesn't control whether the late rains come a week early or a week late or, or there's a drought that year. So he says, be patient. And so therefore, he says, in the farmer is has to be patient. It's a part of his life. Then he says in verse 8, You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So uh, James uses the word here, strengthen your hearts. Well, be self-controlled and sober-minded. That's a matter of the heart. That's a heart, matter of heart and mind working together. That, 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 uh, I, I think the, the whole point here is these things come together once you see that there is a correct and a wrong way to look at the events around us. So the being self-controlled and sober-minded then leads on to the way that we pray for the sake of your prayers. Um, because there's so many aspects to prayer. There's obviously, I mean, we all remember the acronym, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. All right, so, so all of those uh, not that every prayer has to have all of those, but when you put that acronym together, then we see that it, it basically follows the Lord's Prayer, and so therefore the Lord's Prayer takes in all of these factors as well. So uh, uh, James, James is trying to speak to the fact, just as Paul spoke to the fact, that there are questions in people's mind, why hasn't Jesus come back? He promised to come back. He went into heaven. There's been a delay. Well, the, the delay is, has now lasted a very long time, but it doesn't change the fact that the end of all things is at hand, that it's been done. The work of atonement, the work of Christ's death and resurrection, it's all been accomplished, and so therefore we're, we're, we're moving 
towards the consummation. Um, and so therefore, that's the way our lives ought to be uh, carried out. Okay, so we're part of this. Uh, Joel's point is we are part of this working out of the, of the kingdom work, and the church is carrying out what, what remains to be done before the Lord comes again. Now, to get back to our passage, uh, well, I'm just going to read the verses now. We'll talk about them next week, okay, because we're, we're at 1030 already, unfortunately. Okay, so let, let's just read the next couple of verses and think about them this coming week so that we can discuss them, all right? So he said, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be sober-minded and so forth uh, for the sake of your prayers. And then he gives some specificity to this. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. That phrase in itself is going to take some work to understand. How does love cover a multitude of sins? So that's the first topic for next week as be hospitable to one another without complaint. Okay, have you ever been hospitable and begrudging it? Have you ever been hospitable and not been very happy about being called to be hospitable? As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we have all received a gift and the question is how we're going to use it. Whoever speaks, let him speak, as it were, the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that, and here we come back to the theme again, in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, dominion forever and ever. And he ends up with a doxology. So we're going to have to go into detail following up from this for this if Things that at hand, you'd be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Therefore, fervently love one another, be hospitable, to, and, and so forth and so on. We'll try to un unpack that, that next week. So be ready to rock and roll. Okay, okay let, let, let's pray. Our Father, um, as we look at the events around us, we find ourselves sometimes not being patient. We find ourselves not being self-controlled. We find ourselves not being sober-minded. Uh, but we do see w things that look like are climactic in, a, in history. A and so therefore, we want to be the kind of stewards that you command us to be in this passage, that we're to manage uh, our, our life. We're to, to think in a way that gives you honor and glory. We're to act in such a way uh, that you are pleased with it. A and we realize how uh, sometimes we get lost in the events of life and we f forget to see the big picture. We forget to see how all that we do and, and say and think uh, are, are for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of, of your ending history. And so we pray that you would be with us today as we continue our worship in the sanctuary, as we continue to think about you in passages of Scripture like this today. And as we head into the week, would you give us a sense of purpose that we need in order to carry out the tasks uh, without grudging, without uh, complaining, uh, being patient, uh, in order that we might live in such a way that you are glorified. 
And we thank you for this reminder today. In Jesus' name, amen.